Amen. Amen. You may take a seat. I'm going to ask Ivan to uh, share a testimony with us. Um, as many of you know, Ivan is uh, he's originally from Singapore, which is on the other side of the world. And uh, he's going back today. And he'll be back in Singapore tomorrow? Tuesday. Tuesday we'll be back in Singapore. And he'll be there for uh, uh, at least five years as he's working for uh, a school, a school system in Singapore. And so he can, he can tell you a little bit about that. But I just ask Ivan if he would mind sharing a few words with us this morning of encouragement as he, uh, as he is about to hop on a plane. Uh, well, I, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for, you know, everything. And I came, I think I, I said this a couple of times before, you know, I came here with like nothing. I only had, I came here with two suitcases and some money. Um, and I found the garden on Google Maps because uh, it was, it seemed close by to the school. And I checked you guys out on Facebook and it, it seemed like a nice community. And I came here uh, the first su Sunday, and then I just stayed. I, I didn't check out other churches. <laughs> I just stayed. Um, and you guys are the ones who, you know, loved me and welcomed me. The reason how I survived in this city for four years without a car, it's mostly because of you guys serving me to giving me rides and encouraging me in my faith. Um, uh, so Joel told me to share something like a testimony or whatever but i don't have um i don't have much to say uh apart from you know I, I appreciate all of you and what you've done for me and how you've loved me and how you served me uh, but i have two two things like parting words um and charges to you guys uh, as a church community uh can i do that you know may i have the permission to do that yeah <laughs> all right the first thing is uh, let us have like a culture of welcome in our church. Um, that's something that we have to work on, uh, especially like because this is in my DNA. Like I, I, I started, I became Christian when I was 17, raised in an atheist family. Became Christian when I was 17 in a small family church where everyone knows everyone, and when a new person comes, it's like everyone knows that that person's new. And everyone makes a beeline for that person to welcome that person after the service. Um, but over here, we don't really do that. I think we, it's not in our DNA to, during the service, scan like who's new and go and welcome that person and make the person feel welcome. Because you, you don't know what the background of this person is. He or she might be a solid Christian who just moved here from uh, somewhere else for a job and is looking to get plugged in. Or he or she may be someone who's been hurt by the church or an never believed in Jesus before, and God is doing something in their life to draw them uh, into his family. So you don't know that, and we don't know uh, what our little welcome will do to them, and m making sure that we're uh, indicating that we are uh, happy to have them here. We don't know what that little thing will do. Like, we can do the little things, and God will do the big things. Uh, Ivan's not going to be here anymore to, like, scan the congregation and look for everyone who's new to go and say hi because I make it a point to do that. Let us make, a, make it a point to do that. Uh, so like those who are new today, sorry, <laughs> you know, you're going to get swamped <laughs> later. Yeah, I just want to charge you guys with this. Um, 
don't be afraid of being awkward. I've had so many awkward conversations with like a lot of you like on your first day, you know, like, you know, asking kind of awkward questions uh, to the best of my ability, you know, trying to be friendly. Uh, don't be afraid of that. Even if the person looks like, you know, he or she's not quite there, like go and welcome, you know, that is really on my heart and in my DNA and I, I, I hope that this will pass on to you guys. Uh, this is something I really believe in, I really care about. And I see that this is something that's sometimes missing in our church. We end up talking to the people we're comfortable with and our friends and having a good time. And good, you know, that's, that's, um, uh, that's a good thing and being in fellowship and walking together in life. But don't forget the people who are new and the people who are on the fringes. Welcome them. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, don't complain about our church. Uh, I think for, for me, for a season of my life, I've been here four years. I think the second year, in my second year here, um, I started having a lot of grievances towards the church. Oh, they're not doing this right. They're not doing that right. I wish this was this way. I wish the music was this way, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I think I started to appreciate the church when I knew, when I, way more when I knew that I was leaving. Because what we have here is not found in a lot of places elsewhere. We don't have it, we don't have everything correct, or we, we're pretty darn close. You know, I think so. It grieves me that I'm leaving this community because I'm not going home to something like that. I'm going home to like a sti sticky, like messy church situation. And I mean, we're not perfect, and we, you know, fight amongst ourselves and disagree sometimes. But what I've seen in this church of conflict resolution is so biblical, you know. People sit down for coffee and talk. Back home, not, not necessarily like that. And I think a lot of people uh, who are here experienced that before. What we have here, we need to protect. Uh, and complaining and having grievances and, uh, and, you know, talking amongst each other in an unredemptive way doesn't help. Uh, you appreciate, like there's this Chinese proverb that recently came into my mind. You, are only, you only appreciate something uh, when you, you only know how much you appreciate something and value something when you're about to lose it. Uh, when or when after you've lost it. So, yeah, uh, we don't have it all together. We don't have it all correct, but uh, we are pretty darn close. Uh, so appreciate what you have. Appreciate uh, this community that God has planted you in. Um, yeah, bear each other's burdens. Um, so this is my charge to you, you guys. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. You guys welcomed me and loved me since day one. I recently, when I was cleaning out my house, I found this, this card that um, after my first weekend at the garden, Joe wrote me a card and sent it to my dorm in, in school. I found that card, and I'm going to keep it for a long time. So you don't know what that small thing will do, because I received that card on the day where I, ha I just had a, such a bad day, you know, I... Uh, I had a terrible, I went to the art school down the street, so I had a terrible critique, everyone hated my work, and I was like, I flew halfway around the world to suck, you know, and every, why am I here? <laughs> yeah, and then that day I received that card uh, from the church, uh, writ written in Joel's, like, you know, illegible handwriting. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but that made my day, you know, you don't know what the small things will do. Uh, you do the small things and God will do the big things. So, thank you. Bless you guys. Uh, I'll be back in December for a visit, so uh, it won't be like a you know harsh goodbye. Yeah. Amen. Good word. Well, thanks for sharing, Ivan. You know, I'm just curious, how many of you have been made to feel welcome in this church by Ivan? 
Look at that. Wow. Praise God for that. That's a testimony right there. Um, someone just, just this last week said that Ivan was the first person to, uh, to greet them and has made them feel so welcome. And it occurred to me our church is dropping significantly in our friendliness after this week. <laughs> just kidding. That's just kidding. Speaking to myself, as a, no, I'm just kidding. But he has been a wonderful gift uh, to the body, and, and uh, I'm excited for the church in Singapore, too. I don't know exactly which local church he'll end up with, but the ch- even the church as a whole in Singapore, I think, is going to be blessed uh, as, we <clears throat> as we send this young man back. And um, so let's, let's just pray for him. And uh, why don't we, as we have so many, this summer we're sending off a, a number of our members, and it's, it's bittersweet, really. I mean, it's, it's sweet in that the body of Christ spreads. You know, we're able to pour into some folks. We're able to have an impact, and then they go, you know. But then there's other churches uh, that are impacted by these folks. And so it really is a sweet thing. And also, you have a friend in Singapore now as well. How, how many of you could have said you have a place to stay in Singapore prior to meeting Ivan, right? Um, but uh, let's just put our, place our hands forward like this as we pray for Ivan as he goes. God, I lift up Ivan to you as he flies out today back to Singapore. I pray that your hand of blessing would be on him, that he would be prosperous in his ministry in, in Singapore, that he would uh, be helpful for the church there, that in his own way that he would speak truth uh, mixed with grace and love, and that he might even be instrumental in strengthening the local church that uh, that is, is, is in Singapore. Uh, we pray that you would bring him back here to visit, uh, bring him back t- uh, many times rejoicing in the wonders that you have shown him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's turn our attention to the Word. Montreal is preaching. Turn in your Bibles to Philemon. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and somebody can bring you a Bible. Good morning. As you're turning to this book, let me, uh, if you pronounce it Philemon, raise your hand. If you pronounce the book Philemon. All right, you can put your hand down. If you pronounce it another way, say it. Philemon. All right. So we're doing Philemon this morning because that's how I grew. So, no, I told Joel, I told Joel what I was preaching on. I said, I'm preaching on Philemon. And uh, he says, you know, Joel is correct, Philemon. No, I say filament. That's how I grew up. And he said, do you really feel comfortable saying it like that? Well, yeah, yeah that's, how I, that's how I grew up. Uh, so we will be in uh, filament this morning. <laughs> I'm going to read the, it's only one chapter. Easy to miss, right before Hebrews, right after Titus. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Everybody say all. 
And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you what to do, what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bond servant, but more than a bond servant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow worker. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time to, um, to come and, and worship you today with, with fellow brothers and sisters. Pray that our hearts will be encouraged by your word. I pray that we won't be only hearers of the word, but doers as well. Pray that you will bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So our story today starts in a city called Ephesus, which is where we get the book of Ephesians. And so uh, Paul is there, and he's preaching the gospel. And there's this man by the name of Philemon who hears the gospel, and he receives the gospel, and he receives Christ. And about a decade down the line, he goes and starts a church in his house in the city of Colossae, which is where we get the book of Colossians. So he's, he's there, and he's a, he's a wealthy man, um, has, a, has a large house, and like I said, they have church in his house, and one of his, he's wealthy enough to have bond servants or, or slaves, and one of his slaves um, stole money for, from him, and he ran away to the city of Rome, where, lo and behold, he runs into this guy by the name of Apostle Paul, and he becomes converted. He becomes a Christian, and through him and Paul building and walking with each other, he finds, Paul finds out that he belongs to Philemon. So Paul sends Philemon back with a letter. It had been a long journey, and he is um, asking Philemon to receive him back as, um, as a brother, not only as a slave, but as a brother. So um, I'm just going to highlight some key points in this, in this book or in this chapter, however you want to see it, um, in hopes that you will be encouraged in your walk. 
The first thing that we see here is that God uses his people to encourage his people. In verse 4, Paul says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Now, this is a, a small point, but it's a major point because I think that sometimes we so often read through Paul's introduction introductions in his letters that we become familiar with them. But Paul says, I, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Now, you know the people that when you talk to them, and they say, I was just thinking about you. And you're just like, no, you. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> and Paul says that, that, that when, I, when I think of you in my prayers, or, or I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers, and this is just to remind us that we should always be praying for our fellow brothers and our sisters. Now, in this particular case, Paul is writing to Philemon for a particular reason, but he's reminding him and telling him, like, hey, brother, like, I pray for you. So this is, he's commending um, believers to pray for the rest of the saints. So when we have our, our, our church uh, directory, or you have it on your phone, you flip through it, Pray for people as, as you go through that. Pray for people as they, as they come in, in, in your mind. Text people and ask them, how can I be praying for you? In what ways can I be praying for you this week? Or when you do pray for somebody, like, let them know that you prayed for them because this is our job and our responsibility as Christians and, and saints to keep our brothers and sisters in prayer. So that's a small point. The bigger point is this, that God uses his people to encourage his people. Paul says that I've derived much joy and comfort from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. God uses his people to encourage his people. In our community group this past week, I was so encouraged just sitting back and, and as what we normally do and what we normally, uh, the, the schedule that we normally go by, we kind of went off course for a second because there was someone who had a particular need in our group. And the other people in the group surrounded this person and began to encourage this person and uh, give, them, um, give them advice and love on them and, and, and show them like, hey, uh, you're not alone in this. And this is our job as Christians because when I see that, I'm encouraged in my faith. And this is how the Lord uses it all throughout the, 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 the New Testament. John 13, 35. By, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. The love that you have, one for another. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Romans 12, 10. Love one another in brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor. This is our job as believers. Out, if, if there's anything to be competitive about, and we can be competitive in a whole bunch of things, and Paul says to outdo one another in showing one another honor, or in caring for one another, or in showing one another love. It's like this um, uncompetitive competition that's going on. It's kind of like the Cavaliers. <laughs> the Cavaliers are a, a, a professional basketball team, and they're in the NBA Finals right now, and they are um, grown men with warm blood pumping through their veins, and right now they're not playing like it. So they are competition. 
They are competition in the sense that they made it there, but sometimes, I'm not just picking on the Cavaliers, but all I'm saying is they're, they're, they're competition. They're not playing as competitive. But for us, we should not try to um, show one another up or be prideful as we do, outdo one another in good works, but Paul is simply encouraging. If there is something that you're going to be competitive in, do it in something that matters and showing one another love. And this is how the Lord encourages his people. I, was, I surprised my dad a couple of weeks. It was his birthday, and I, and I flew home. And as we're sitting there talking and catching up on life, and I'm telling him um, certain plans that I have and certain desires, he looks at me, and he says, I wish that I could do more for you. And he was speaking financially. And if, 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 if you have children or if you um, have someone that you care about, whether that's your parents, your aunts, or people who have raised you, or people that you're, that you're now raising, you get it, right? Because sometimes we often want more for someone else than they want for themselves, right? And so he says that, I, I, I wish that I can do more for you. And I look him right in his eyes, and I said, Pops, like, I'm not trying to be spooky or mystical or deep or anything like that, but you pass down the most important thing that can be passed down to someone. You pass down the gospel. You pass down the faith, the, uh, a seed that is completely incorruptible. Am I saying that finances aren't, aren't important? No, that's not what I'm saying. Am I saying that resources aren't important? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that I've, I've, I've been to the point, I've gotten to the point to where I can, I can acknowledge that the thing that matters most is that which is eternal. And I told him, you've done what you can do for me. Have you been the, the best example in er, every area of life? Absolutely not. You ha- he hasn't been. But as I, as I, as I walk through this life, and, and as I sometimes struggle through this life, one verse that he's always told me is Philippians 1, 6, that he who started a good work in you will complete it. And that's what I cling to now. And this is coming from someone that only... He is a, uh, what would we call it, a first-generation Christian. So the only, the only memory, he has three memories of his dad while he was growing up because, because he left him. The first memory, they went fishing once. The second memory, my granddad watched porn with him. The third memory, he shot at my grandma. Those are the only memories that my dad has of his dad. So for Christians who may be the first generation Christians, be encouraged in the fact that you get to pass on the faith to your children. You may not be able to provide everything that you want to provide for them, but give them something that matters. Give them hope. Give them something that they can cling to. When I look at my, the, the, the life of my parents, I'm, 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 I used to be so irritated by how I, how I was brought up and how I was raised, but now I can look back and say, okay, you probably were tripping a little bit too much, but I get it. I get it. I understand. And now on this side, I can appreciate it. God uses his people to encourage his people. It's a man by the name of, 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 of Polycarp. He was um, a bishop in Rome, and he was, a, he was a martyr. So I'm going to take some time to read uh, a bit of his story. So when he was arrested, the police and horsemen came with the young man at supper time on the Friday with their usual weapons as if coming out against a robber. And at this time, Polycarp, Polycarp is 86 years old. Right? 
first century. Um, that evening, they found him lying down in the upper room of a cottage. He could have escaped, but refused, saying, God's will be done. When he heard that they had come, he went down and spoke with them. They were amazed, they were amazed at his age and steadfastness, and some of them said, why did we go to, through so much trouble to capture a man like this? Immediately, he called for food and drink for them and asked for an hour to pray uninterrupted. They agreed, and he stood and prayed so full of the grace of God that he could not stop for two hours. The men were astounded, and many of them regretted coming to arrest such a godly old man. When he finished praying, they put him on the donkey. They took him into the city. As he was being taken into the arena, a voice came from heaven saying, Be strong, Kali and play the man. No one who had spoken, no one saw who had spoken, but our brothers who were there heard the voice. So this is a, a, um, an eyewitness account of what happened. When the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured, there was an uproar. The proconsul asked him whether he was Polycarp. On hearing that he was, he tried to persuade him to apostatize, saying, Have respect for your old age. Swear by the fortune of Caesar. Repent and say, Down with the atheist. Polycarp looked grimly at the wicked heathen multitude in the stadium, and gesturing towards them, he said, Down with the atheist. Swear urged the proconsul, reproach Christ, and I'll set you free. Polycarp said, Eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I have wild animals here, the proconsul said. I will throw you to them if you do not repeat, do not repent. Call them, Polycarp replied. It is unthinkable for me to re repent from what is good to turn to what is evil. I will be glad, though, to be changed from evil to righteousness. If you despise the animals, I will have you burn. Polycarp said, you threaten me with fire, which burns for an hour, and is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you, why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. It was all done in the time it takes to tell. The crowd collected wood and bundles of sticks from the shops and public baths. The Jews, as usual, were keen to help. When the pile was ready, Polycarp took off his outer clothes, undid his belt, and tried to take off his sandals, something that he was not used to, as the faithful always raced to do it for him, each wanting to be the one to touch his skin. This is how good his life was. But then they went to fix him with nails, and he said, Leave me as I am, for he that gives me strength to endure the fire will enable me not to struggle without the help of your nails. So they simply bound him with his hands behind him like a distinguished ram chosen from a great flock for sacrifice, ready to be an acceptable burnt offering to God. He looked up to heaven and said, O Lord God Almighty, the Father of your beloved Son and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the knowledge of you, the God of angels, powers, and every creature, and all of the righteousness who live before you, I give you thanks that you count me worthy to be numbered among your martyrs, sharing the cup of Christ and the resurrection to eternal life, both of soul and body, through the immortality of the Holy Spirit. May I be received this day as an acceptable sacrifice as you, the true God, have predestined, revealed to me, and now fulfilled. I praise you for all these things. I bless and glorify you along with the everlasting Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. To you 
with him through the Holy Ghost be glory both now and forever. So the fire was lit, the flame blazed furiously. We who were privileged to witness it saw a great miracle. And this is why we have been preserved to tell the story. The fire shaped itself into the form of an ark like the sail of a ship when filled with wind and formed a circle around the body of the martyr. Inside it, he looked not like flesh that is burnt, but like bread that is baked or gold and silver glowing in a furnace. And we smelt a sweet scent like some precious spices. When the enemy saw the wonder of his martyrdom, his blameless life, and now his crowning with immortality, he did not utmost to stop us keeping any memorial of him or taking possession of his holy body. He said they might from worshiping the crucified, they might turn from worshiping the crucified one only to start worshiping this one. And they did not realize that it's, unpo- it's impossible for us to abandon Christ who suffered for the salvation of the world or to worship any other. So reading this story of Polycarp and seeing how he was a martyr and stood up for the Christ and the Savior that he believed in and refused to recant his belief, is that not encouraging for us today? Is that not encouraging? I mean, we're, we're not facing persecution in the same way that, that, that they did, but there are saints across the globe who are facing persecution that are similar to this. Does this not encourage us in our faith as we deal with people who may be naysayers or think that we're narrow-minded? God uses his people to encourage his people. Publicly, from up here on the pulpit, Ivan has been a wonderful example of someone in our midst of encouraging believers in their faith. There are some things that I know about Ivan that Ivan doesn't even know that I know. Things that he has done for people, um, money that he has given people. He has so sacrificially loved those who he has been in community with. And Ivan, I thank you publicly for your service to the Lord. God uses his people to encourage his people. Now, we get to the point of... um, of the, the forgiveness that Paul was asking Philemon to show Onesimus. So he was a, technically by law in the society then, he was owned by Philemon. Onesimus was owned by Philemon, and of course he, he ran away. Paul is imploring Philemon and he doesn't start off by saying, hey, you owe me. And remember, Philemon came to, to, to faith under the teaching and the preaching of Paul. But Paul appeals to what Philemon has already done and the faith that Philemon clings to. When it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to um, dealing with people who have wronged you, this is one thing to understand, that people will wrong you. It's something that's inevitable. It's something that we cannot control. It's something that we can't do anything about. But what we can do is to control how we respond to it. Now, this thing gets tricky. And this thing gets very hard. Because there are a lot of times to where we think and say, I cannot forgive that person. And so what I'm not saying is to unwisely um, shuck out words like, I forgive you without actually dealing with the situation at hand 
earlier, Joel prayed for the, um, the, uh, the young lady who uh, was raped at Stanford. That's a situation that she'll have to deal with for the rest of her life, as all rape victims have to deal with for the rest of their life. That's a situation that you just can't run into so easily and say, I forgive you, and all is well. That's something that, 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 that takes time. But one thing that, that, that we can't do is if we're offended by someone, one thing that does everyone a disservice is to not address it and hold it against them. That's unfair for everyone involved in the situation. If you're hurt by someone, if you're hurt, you have the right to be hurt. You have the right to go and address that person and say, hey, this is how you hurt me, and I would like to get to it. Now, if you want to truly forgive them and be over it, then that's fine. But as a person, you have, if someone comes to me and says, Trail, you hurt me, I don't have a right to say, no, no, I didn't. You have no right to be offended by that. No, I sit down with them and, and I wrestle through it and, and, and I talk with them through it. You know, I had, to, I had to apologize to someone earlier this week because I said, yo, I just don't think that I handled that situation correctly and I ask you to forgive me. Forgiveness is something that's hard. Forgiveness is something that at, sometimes it takes time, but forgiveness is something that's very much necessary. Remember the story of the, um, the parable of the guy who was forgiven his debt? Then he went out and he said, hey, man, you owe me $20. And quickly forgetting that he had been forgiven his debt, and now he's holding something against someone else. We should forgive because we have been forgiven. It's not always easy, but it's something that's necessary. And in the end of it, we free ourselves from a situation. And this is why it's important to walk with certain people and have certain people surrounding you when we go through certain situations because there is safety in a multitude of counsel. Amen? The biggest picture in this story, in this letter, or in this one verse, is that Christ is the redeemer for the lost sinner. So just as Paul was willing to pray the, pay the price for the runaway slave, so did Christ do for the wayward sinner. Verse 18, Paul tells Philemon, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus. If he's wronged you at all, I'll pay for that. That's the exact thing that, Paul, that, that Jesus did for us as slaves to sin, as people who ran away from him, as people who rejected him. Jesus paid for our sins, and that's the biggest picture of this story, is that Jesus pays the price for us, the runaway sinners. And in, in, in a sense, we all become um, Barabbas. You remember when Barabbas, uh, they, uh, Pilate held Jesus and Barabbas before the people, and they said, who do you want me to let go? And everybody said, Barabbas. And in this sense, we all become Barabbases because Jesus took our place. Jesus, an innocent man, took our place, and he redeems the sinner. And the symbolism here between 
uh, how Jesus deals with us and how Paul was um, encouraging Philemon to deal with the situation is, 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 is identical. Paul says to receive him as you would receive me. Doesn't it sound very similar to what Jesus prayed in the high, priest, high priestly prayer? He says, when he's praying to his father and he says, receive them as you receive me, all of this points back to Christ. And Paul says, confident of your obedience, I, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. So Paul is kind of funny because he says, all right, I don't want to write to you and, and be authoritative, but at the same time, I'm confident that you'll do the right thing. So like the Bible kind of understands like, as Christians and believers, you'll do the right thing. You don't have to be, um, it shouldn't be out of, um, out of compulsion or like people making you do whatever, but it's pretty confident because you have the same spirit that, that Jesus had that you would do the same thing. Forgiveness is something that takes time. Forgiveness is something that can be hard, but forgiveness is something that's necessary, and we must surround ourselves around believers who are able to give us wise counsel in all areas. Going back to the piece on God using his people to encourage his people. How many of you have been encouraged by somebody who's been in this room? Encouraged in your faith to, um, to uh, persevere through sin, to fight through sin, to forgive people, to have certain conversations with people? How many of you have been encouraged? And this is, thank you, this is, <laughs> and this is something that that God uses even to the point of salvation. He, so it matters what we do. It matters how we carry ourselves at work. It matters how we carry ourselves at school. It matters how we carry ourselves when it comes to dealing with one another, when it comes to handling certain situations. It matters. And one thing that we need to understand that I'll repeat is that, listen, people are going to drop the ball. And I stand here and, and ask you for forgiveness on behalf of people in order so that you may pursue them, in order so that you may have a conversation with them and not hold this grudge again. It happens. Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah, the question is asked, where did you get these scars? And he said, in the house of my friends. It's something that happens. It's not always intentional. It's not always on purpose. Talk to people and understand the reasoning behind why they did certain things. And if they did do it maliciously, hey, that's kind of something that we signed up for as Christians. It sucks. Sometimes as, as, as a Christian, I really do feel like I, I signed up to be embarrassed and to be, man, paper keeps flying off of this stand. It's like as a Christian, sometimes I think that I signed up to be embarrassed by other people. And I signed up to be in situations where I can't say anything. In our community group this past Wednesday, we talked about how Jesus didn't say a single word. And that's something that's hard to do. And that's something that we signed up to do. But we also signed up to address certain problems that we have with certain people when we have them so that we can receive the forgiveness from God as well. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you um, in, in, in closing to... Um, to look at people's examples, be encouraged by that. Look at Ivan's example. I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to stand here um, his last Sunday here and um, tell him that I've been encouraged by his, um, 
his works. I've been encouraged by his relationships with people and how he has um, interacted with other people, and he's been an amazing encouragement for me as well as the people in the garden. Amen? Amen. What's that? Do you have Do you have a price? Man, I'm, hey, let me tell you something, man. It's up in heaven, man. It's stored up. <laughs> You've been building it to your account, man. It's been, hey, hey, I'm looking forward. There you go, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I have nothing for you, man. I'm a broke, struggling college student. <laughs> um, yeah, be, be encouraged by, by other people. And, um, and I encourage you, if you are harboring any unforgiveness to someone, check, check your heart. And um, there are people who are surrounded around you who do care about you, regardless of what the enemy may try to tell you. And there are some things that may seem embarrassing to share, but it's very much necessary um, to the health and to the life of you as well as the church. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this time that we had together. Um, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for um, giving us godly men and women to look at as examples. Um, pray that we'll work through any unforgiveness that we may have in our hearts. Pray that we need to go to someone to have a conversation that we'll do that. If we need to go to someone to ask them for forgiveness. I pray um, that we'll do that. I pray that we will humble ourselves, not to, not to think too highly of ourselves, but to consider others um, higher than us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.